happy Sunday. You're listening to episode number 108 of the Keto Diet Podcast. And today we're chatting about switching to keto as a runner, running and bodybuilding combined, choices to eat keto, melding tracking with mindfulness, and so much more. You can grab the podcast extra and transcript over at healthfulpursuit.com slash podcast slash e one o eight. And I got one cool thing for you. And that is that I put together a really awesome eight step guide on ending your weight loss struggles. You can grab it over at healthfulpursuit.com slash weight. It is completely free. It's there for you. And it shows you how to know if you're eating enough versus too much in order to spark weight loss, how hormones play a role in weight loss, how you can become properly fat adapted and so much more. Okay, let's do this. Welcome to the Keto Diet Podcast, the show all about keto for women so you can burn fat, balance your hormones, and heal your body. Starting and maintaining keto can be challenging without the right support. So just for listening to the podcast, I want to give you 20% off the keto beginning with the coupon code Keto Podcast. That's all one word. This 30-day program gives you a clear step-by-step how-to so you can quickly adapt to a ketogenic diet, avoid common struggles, and get the results you crave. Go to healthfulpursuit.com slash begin to get your keto beginning discount today. If you're new around these parts, I'm Leanne Vogel. You may know me as the international best-selling author of The Keto Diet, founder of happyketobody.com, or maybe you know me as the nutritionist that likes dipping pork rinds in avocado oil mayo. I'm so glad you're here with me today. Thanks so much for listening. Our guest today is Kristen, who's a trial lawyer, marathon runner, and professional bodybuilder. She has tried several cases to judges and juries, and she has run 22 marathons, including the Boston Marathon, four times. In May 2018, Kristen was crowned 2018 Miss Natural Minnesota figure by the NANBF Amateur Bodybuilding Division, where she earned her IPE Pro Card. Kristen practices a ketogenic diet and lifestyle, and she meditates meditates daily. She believes that her diet and lifestyle choices allow her to maximize her energy and efficiency in all aspects of her life. Given her passion for all things health and fitness, Kristen recently launched a motivational speaking and coaching business. She can be reached through her website at mngoldengirl.com. So if you guys want to know more about workouts, endurance, how to combine workouts and endurance with your ketogenic diet, you can check out chapter five of my digital program, The Keto Beginning, starting on page 68. So if you have The Keto Beginning, it's all there waiting for you. Okay, let's cut over to this interview. Hey, Kristen, how's it going? I'm great, Leanne. How are you doing? I'm so good. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here and to talk to you today. Yeah, we actually met at KetoCon, which was a blast, right? Did you have a fun time? I loved it. I loved it. I just, it's so funny. Some of my friends at home were teasing me. They said, oh my gosh, we could see how happy and energized and excited you were about being there. It's like you found your people, which is really how I felt. It's like all of our people. Yes, I know. I, it's, I remember going to um, PaleoFX a couple of years ago and I felt so left out and like, not part of anything. I just didn't feel like I belonged. Um, probably because I wasn't really eating paleo and I was there as a keto person and it was just all awkward. But at KetoCon, it was like everyone was going home to the mothership. Like, totally. 
And I felt like that when I was there last year in September, but because it was the first one, it was just everyone's still trying to figure each other out. And it just was so fun to see all these familiar faces this year. I loved it. Yeah, I totally agree. So before we get started chatting about all the things, um, I like to ask guests, what does keto mean to you? Oh, that's a great question. So to me, it really means a new lifestyle for me over the last several years. And it's a part of my life that I don't envision now ever not having it a part of my life. It has totally and completely changed my relationship with food in the most healthy way ever. And that's probably been the most rewarding and exciting aspect of my ketogenic journey. And I can share how I got on that and how it started. But what I've come to realize, especially specifically this year, is that it really has changed my relationship with food. And so you won a pretty intense competition. (laughs) I did. I did. So at the end of May of this year, I won my pro card in bodybuilding in the figure division. And they gave me the title of 2018 Miss Natural Minnesota figure, which is pretty cool. Wow. How did you, how did you get there? Like, how did you know that this was something you wanted to do? Cause I've heard that doing this is just just a lot of work and dedication and drive. And what was motivating you? Why, why was this important to you? Yeah, good question. Because I will tell you, um, I've strength trained for a number of years. So I was one of these kids really that was interested in it from a young age. I started lifting when I was only 14 years old. I had watched my dad get up and lift before he went to work. And so it was something that I was interested in me. And then I started to lift weights while I was in middle school, high school, and I saw some results from it. And I liked that it made me feel strong, particularly as a woman. I'm the oldest of three girls. So I think I probably felt some level of protection of my sisters. And so I just liked how it made me feel. And then as I started to practice law, I realized I was going to need to get a little more efficient about my workouts, because obviously the practice of law is a pretty big and busy amount of time in a person's day if this is what they're doing for their career. So I realized I wasn't going to have as much time to spend at the gym as I had in the past years, including law school. So I started strength training and it's, I just tend to have one of those bodies that responds well to it. You know, some people respond well to strength training, some people don't. And I found over my course of my life, and I've observed this in other people, all of us, I think, tend to gravitate towards and like to do what we are naturally good at. So everyone's naturally good at something or in some things. And lifting was always kind of my thing. And so people asked me actually for a number of years if I competed. And and to be really honest, because I always am, I thought it was weird. I thought, wait a second, you want me to stand on stage in a bikini? That's weird. What is this all about? What's with that weird spray tan? And then I turned 40 (laughs) two years ago and I said, screw it, I'm going to do it. And so I signed up for my first competition almost as a way to say, I can do this and I'm 40 and I want to prove to myself that I can. And the coolest part about it, Leanne, is I was so impressed with how welcoming and kind and amazing all of the people in this space were. You know, I had standing outside of it these preconceived notions about that people might be superficial or judgy or catty. And I actually found it to be quite the opposite. And it's a really inspirational group of people that I'm lucky to be a part of today. Wow, that's really cool because I definitely had that same belief before I met my first friend who competed (laughs) and we're still friends today and she's like the coolest being and and so um, motivated and uplifting and just a great human to be around. So it always takes like 
being introduced to somebody or, or a community of people to be like, wait, that's actually kind of cool. Back to today's episode in a sec. I used to place the responsibility of my health and ongoing wellness to my doctor or team of healthcare professionals. And when I started dealing with a lot of hormone imbalances, I really lost trust in the system, like completely. And I know many of you can relate to the feeling of frustration that you have when you have a problem and you feel like nobody's listening, you feel alone, and sometimes you even feel like you're going crazy, like it's not actually a problem and other people don't see it. And really, there's nothing like finding a group of people or a practitioner that understands you. And that's why community is so, so important to this whole process of healing our bodies and understanding our body. This is why I love Everly Well. They're empowering the community to commit to their body, to their health, and to their future. And so many of us are starving to just understand our bodies and make those tiny little tweaks we need to start feeling better. Everly Well is a at-home collection service. So what does this mean? Basically, you go on their website, which you can find at healthfulpursuit.com slash well, So you head on over there, you take a look at all their different tests. They're inexpensive tests like cholesterol and lipids, HbA1c, and metabolism tests, test your own blood, and in some cases saliva, to provide you with more details about your body and empower you to make changes. When you receive your results, the reference ranges as well as further information about your results are all delivered to you in their secure account, allowing you to keep all of your data in one place and build upon things as you run certain tests. Because there's nothing worse than going to different places for different tests and having all these papers and all these charts and all these things. Everly Well makes it so easy. So if you're looking to test yourself for various things, including hormones or cholesterol or really anything, head on over to healthfulpursuit.com slash well, use the coupon code KETO, all in caps, and save 15% off your entire order. Okay, back to today's episode. When you started um, working toward this goal, were you keto then or how did that come about? Yeah. So I had been, so I had started my ketogenic journey in December of 2013, essentially is about when I figure was my real start. I had glimmers of sort of wanting to get there, I think in 2012. And I say that because historically I've been a marathon runner before I started this bodybuilding thing. And so in the marathon running world, of course, carbs, 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 carbs. So that's, that's been history. I mean, I, used to carbo load every Friday night before my long run on Saturday. And every night before a marathon, it was pasta, pasta, pasta. And by the time I got to my marathon in 2012, I was at a point and I was running well at that time, but I had to take five goos, those little gel, sugar gels, I call them. Gel packs, yeah. Right, gel packs during the race every five miles just to get through the race because I was so glycogen fueled. And I remember after that race was done thinking, there is something wrong with this. Like this, this is not normal. And I even remember the night before that race feeling like, I don't think I want to order pasta this time. Like something was just telling me, try something different. So I ordered chicken and vegetables, fine. Fast forward to December, 2013, I ended up falling on ice on a work trip in Williston, North Dakota, and I shattered my right leg in 10 places. So I, I broke it bad. I mean, I had 22 pieces of metal in my leg for a year. The orthopedic surgeon took all of the metal out the following December of 2014. But the reason that that got me started on keto, kind of the primary reason is, as a part of my rehab, physical therapy, chiropractic care that I was doing to get back to using my leg, 
the chiropractor I was seeing was an ultra runner, 50, 100 miles, and he was keto. So he'd be doing work on me. And I said, and of course he was lean and fit and ran a hundred miles. And I thought, buddy, wait, 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 what do you mean you don't eat pasta? I just was so confused. And so I had to see him weekly for a number of months. And so I started to learn through him. And then I started to do my own research. That's so cool. It's like, it's like almost had you not broken your leg. Yep, exactly. (laughs) And so I really, really believe, and I say this all the time, I do not think that anything in life is random. I don't think there are coincidences. I really think that the path that I have been on as I reflect and look back over all of the things that have happened to me, circumstances of my life, events, good, bad, or otherwise, like anyone, have brought me to exactly where I am in today and my journey on my health and fitness quest, so to speak, and part of which is my ketogenic journey, is informed in large part by that devastating injury. I realized at that time, I wasn't going to be able to do the intense amounts of cardio I had been doing as a runner. So I really wanted to start researching other nutrition and supplementation and figure out what really are the best ways I can fuel my body to recover from this injury as best I can and come back better and stronger than I was before. I hope you're totally digging this episode. I love putting these together every week and I hope you're getting something out of it. I love seeing where you're listening from. So next time you're listening or even right now, take a picture of yourself watching the show or a screenshot of your favorite episode and tag me on Instagram at healthful pursuit. And if social isn't your thing, that's totally fine. Just jump on your favorite podcast player and leave a review for the show. Okay, back to the good stuff. And so you started eating keto and how was that transition for you as an athlete? Cause I know for me, it was like, it took a lot of brain power to understand that I could run without carbs. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I, it definitely for me was not a, okay, I'm going to go keto. I know tomorrow I just don't eat carbs anymore. It like many things in life, I think was a gradual process for me. So I started out by doing some experiments in 2014 with just eating more fat at my meals and just saying, okay, I'm going to cut out all bread and pasta. So it really was, I was trying to go more low carb at first and I didn't understand a lot about what I know now about keto. And I would try different experiments before I ran. But then of course, like you mentioned, it was really hard for me to get my head around not having carbs. But as I continued to experiment in 2014 and in 2015, I found that my running got so much better as I broke away from my carbohydrate addiction. So my debut marathon after I broke my leg was in October of 2015. So it was a year and a half after the injury. It was about 10 months after I got all the metal out of my leg. I did that marathon with one packet of coconut butter only right before the race and nothing during the race at all. And it was my fastest marathon I've ever run. Wow, that's so cool. I love that stuff. Yeah. And I, and I just felt so good during it. I mean, to me, like when you asked me in the beginning of the podcast about what does keto mean to me, it really means like health, maximizing my energy, feeling like I'm on top of the world, feeling like I don't have to slow down for, for anything that's getting in my way. Right. Right. I mean, I just had my first meal today at about 1230. Usually I wait until about one or two, but I was hungry at 1230. So I ate my first meal at 1230 and I didn't even think about food until then, yeah. which is awesome, which is I know. awesome. Tell me about it. Like, it's so great. <laughs> so, then you start training for this big event. Did anyone say like, there's no way that you can eat keto 
and train like this like yes so so there are even though ketogenic dieting has been a big deal in the ultra running community i think for a while because they go such long distances they know and understand the science behind needing your body to be fat fueled for whatever reason it still hadn't and i still don't think it really has caught on a ton in the marathon community so there are far more people that have challenged my decision to be a runner and eat this way than not but you know my whole thing is i this is what works for me so i'm going to continue to choose to do this i will prove that this is a way that works for people by my performance and by my excitement around how good I feel. And if you want to try it because you see me having success in it and you see that it makes me happy, great. And if you don't, you do you. Yeah. And when you meet Kristen in real life, she has so much energy. You can't not be like, <laughs> she's on keto. Like <laughs> keto is fueling this woman. <laughs> yes, for sure. And what, what changes did you have to make to your eating style when you shifted? Like, are you still running? Cause you were bodybuilding and I'm sure did, did that shift? Like, did you have to change the way that you ate or fueled your body when you started yeah, so bodybuilding? So that's a great question. So um, a lot of people think, and this is really common, and I think this is probably what most people do, is they, they think that you can't both be a runner and a bodybuilder. And so Robert was even asking me some questions about that when we were talking about the whole running and bodybuilding at the same time. And I've always referred to myself as what I call kind of a crossover athlete because I'm a runner, but I'm strong. And so I'm lucky that I'm able to go back and forth and I'm trying to break through all the stereotypes about the fact that you can't be a runner and also be strong, or you can't be super strong and also be a runner. I challenge my body to do both things. I'm really good about making sure I have the appropriate amount of rest days, but I think the fact that I fuel my body with the right amount of fat and protein in order to allow me to do endurance activities and in order to allow me to do strength activities and then I choose to do both of those activities is what allows me to be successful in both. So I don't subscribe to this whole notion that you can't do both. I said, look everyone, I'm doing both and it's possible. And so try it if you're interested in that. And if you're not, try something else. Yeah, I love that. And do you have, I'm sure you've made many mistakes as you're training and learning new things about your body. What strength training lessons have you learned specifically for women that you're like, Oh, I wish I would have known this when I first got started eating keto strength training. What yes. recommendations do you have? So a few, I would say the top three that come to mind is one every time after I strength train, which I only, and this surprises people when I tell them, but it's true. So I like to share it. I only lift weights twice a week for 30 minutes. Seriously? <laughs> yes. No, seriously. No one, I know no one believes me. No one believes me, but it's true. And so what I do and I talked with some of the other strength training keto people when we were at KetoCon about this. I lift really, really, really heavy to failure every single exercise. So if I go and do a bicep curl on a machine, I'm only doing one set of that bicep curl and I'm doing it to the point that I really can't even lift it anymore. And then the trainer who I work with will help me get those last few seconds and then they'll make me count down four or 10 or whatever. You actually are a lot stronger on your negative then you're positive. So if you can have someone help you get to the top of that rep and then still get the negatives and then have someone help you again, get to the top of that rep and still do negatives on your own, it actually is a whole extra level of strength training that's just really efficient. So I lift, I'm going to make up a week. I lift on a Monday, then I don't lift again until Thursday. So I always give myself two full days of rest in between. I'm either going to run on those days or do a class or do something that doesn't involve strength training hard. 
And then what I do right after I strength train, this is sort of to get to my tip number one to answer your question, Leanne, is I have protein right away after. And I think that because there's so much information in keto about, well, should I fast? And when do I eat? And what's the timing? I have found, and there's a lot of research behind the notion that after you are done strength training, if you consume protein right after a workout, it's going to help build your muscles and you're going to get the most benefit out of your strength training workout. So that was one. Another thing I'd say is I'm really good now, and I've only learned this in the last couple of years, I'd say, is I'm better about my electrolytes. So one of the things that I didn't appreciate until going keto is how much our body really needs magnesium, sodium, potassium, all of the EMs <laughs> that, that I now take and consume either in a liquid way through little packets of electrolytes or that I actually put Himalayan pink sea salt in my water in the morning. Uh, in fact, I just a few weeks ago got done reading Aubrey Marcus's new book, Own Your Day, Own Your Life. And one of the tips I learned from him in that book was put a little bit of Himalayan pink sea salt in your water in the morning with some lemon juice yeah. because your body apparently craves that magnesium, all those really good nutrients in the morning, those minerals. And so I, I do that. And that's, I can't believe how much better I feel with the electrolyte balance that I have now. So that's another one. And then the other one, and you and I touched on this a little bit at KetoCon when, when we talked this year, is I also pay attention to if there's a day where I feel like my body is craving a carb cycle. And so for me, a carb cycle would be adding a sweet potato, adding some buckwheat in the morning, have some gluten-free oatmeal. But because we are complex individuals as women and our bodies, I mean, I, I, I like to tell people, guys, we were actually designed to make other humans. Like that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, that's so, our purpose. Like right, purpose. Right, quote unquote purpose. <laughs> so, so given that, our bodies are pretty freaking special and it means we have hormones that we need to keep in regulation. And so I really pay attention to if I all of a sudden feel super sluggish for a day or so or think that my muscles just don't feel like they're recovering as well, I'll do a carb up day. And by carb up, I mean like it'll be 150 grams of carbs that day and it'll be good carbs. Day. For the whole day. Okay. Yep. When you think about the average American consumes what, over 300 oh, like, carbs a day, I think? My average was 600 when I was vegan. And I bet you, like, who knows what mine was because I wasn't tracking it back then, but it's terrifying to think of. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Those gel packs. Like, I had gel packs that were right? 50 grams. Exactly. Like, exactly. That ain't right. <laughs> right. Right. And so I'll notice just little things. If there, if I feel like there's hormone dysregulation, I'll add a carb up and it'll set me right back on track, which is great. Cool. So those I are love kind those of my top tips. I love it. Back to today's episode in a sec. When I tell people that I don't drink coffee, they kind of look at me oddly, assess the situation. And their first question is always, but like, how do you do that? <laughs> and I used to drink two pots of coffee a day. So I am well versed in the slippery slope that is drinking multiple cups of coffee a day. And a lot of us require it. I know that I couldn't get through the day unless I had two pots of coffee, but it really is a slippery slope. And if you are kind of in that space of really feeling in your gut, like, I should probably not be drinking this much caffeine or just coffee in general. What do I do? Because I can't function without it. I highly recommend checking out mushroom coffee with cordyceps. Basically, it's actual coffee, but it also has mushrooms. And these specific mushrooms are cordyceps, which help stimulate our energy without the jitters that you get from regular coffee. So it's 
Think of it like a 50-50 mix of coffee and unicorn dust brought to you by the power of mushrooms. Cordyceps have been used in traditional Chinese medicine for centuries to treat fatigue, sickness, kidney disease, and low sex drive. And due to their natural stimulating effect without the jitters, cordyceps are a great replacement for coffee. So every time you make a cup of mushroom coffee with cordyceps, you're having half the coffee, but the full effects that you would having a full mug of coffee. Now the coffee used in the specific mushroom coffee with cordyceps that I really love is 100% Arabica organic coffee, and it tastes delicious like coffee and does not taste like icky mushrooms because that would be ew. Now it's instant coffee so you can add to hot water, cold water, milk, warm milk, cold milk, coconut milk, almond milk, you name it. It can be mixed into it. It's organic, vegan, gluten-free and completely instant. You can get the power of mushrooms on your side by heading over to foursigmatic.com slash keto. Now if you use the coupon code keto, all in caps, no spaces, you get 15% off all things for Sigmatic. So if you head on over there and you're like mushroom coffee, okay, cordyceps, got it. It's a blend of mushroom coffee plus cordyceps. And then you decide, oh, I want this other thing. It's also 15% off for anything in the store. Again, the coupon code is keto at foursigmatic.com slash keto. Okay, back to today's episode. What about mindset? Because when I started playing around with mindset, especially when it came to my running practice, and even when I was doing CrossFit and competing and all those things, how I came into the competition and where my brain was at was really how I performed. Have you played around with any of the mindfulness stuff? I have. I love this topic and I could spend hours on it. So I'll try to be brief about it, but I love talking about this. I did not have a regular meditation practice until this year. And so my lights go off. Sorry about that. that. (laughs) Yeah. So I didn't have a regular meditation practice. I had done it off and on for a handful of years, but I just wasn't regular about it. And then what I did is at the end of 2017, I finally wrote it down. And you know how they say, if you write something down, you're actually going to do it. And I shared it on Instagram. It was part of my list of intentions for 2018. And so I've started a regular meditation practice each day, which has been completely life-changing for me. And it's helped in visualizing and being present and being intentional and mindful about a whole host of things. I really use it in all facets of my life. And in fact, I'm certain that my meditation and mindfulness practice is what allowed me to be present enough on stage to be able to achieve my goal of earning my pro card in bodybuilding. I did not feel connected. Here's how, here's how I'll describe it. And I don't know if you feel this way because you're mindfulness practice, but it really is about getting your spiritual self and your physical body in the same place at the same time. So when you can bring those together and you're really present in your own physical body, I feel unstoppable when that's the case. In fact, before we started this podcast, before we got on with each other on the call, I did a little bit of meditation just to make sure that I was physically present for you and for me to be able to share with people today. I actually have my yoga mat right beside me and I do like 10 minutes between each guest. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Just to like, you know, ground yourself and get like focus on the next conversation because it's a new thing and you want to be present and ask questions. And yeah, I totally agree with you. It makes all the difference. Yeah. Because it's one thing, you know, especially if I think of a bodybuilding competition or a marathon, right. Which are my two big things. I know I'm going to be walking on stage at some point and I have to know the posing and I have to eat right leading up to it. And I have to 
understand where I stand in line and how I do my turns. And for running, I have to know what I'm going to do each mile and where the hills are. You know, all of that is kind of more of the procedural stuff. But if my spirit is sort of floating above me <laughs> or isn't in Ooh. my physical body, right, right. If I'm just like floating over here, I just don't, A, get as much enjoyment out of it, B, have as much success with it, and C, really learn from it in the way that I have since I started this mindfulness practice. It is fascinating to me how much it has changed for me since I've started doing it. The one thing that I really, really got me doing this regularly, even on the nights where I'm like, oh, I'm too tired, I have to get up early, do I really want to take 10 minutes to meditate? Here's why I still do it. Someone told me, and this has totally changed my perspective on it, that meditation is like a muscle. If you don't use it, it doesn't work better for you. So I'm like, well, I, I understand that. I wouldn't skip a month in the gym because I know what would happen to my biceps and I like them to be strong, right? So I thought, okay, it's a muscle. It's a muscle. It's a muscle. Your mind is a muscle, just like your other muscles that you see. And so that's why I've stuck with it. I love it. I spent a little bit of time before the time I walked on stage to get my pro card in May, I was meditating in the back of the stage for a while. And then the other thing that I did, and you know, I'm a big believer in all of us pumping each other up and having this energy together that motivates each other to be, all be better together. It's one of the things that I really have loved about the keto community is that I feel like it really is such a community. So I'm standing backstage. I'm with six other women in line before we're out, about to go on stage. And I think it was when I walked out for the master's division because I was in a number of divisions. So I was about to walk on stage with them. And what I did is I turned around to the women next to me and I said, you guys, let's grab hands. And so I grabbed all their hands and I said, we have positive energy. We're all awesome. Everyone's going to do great out there. This is amazing. And several of them came up to me after and said, that was so helpful to me to be I on did. stage with you. Yeah. To have that positive energy. And I thought, wait a second, energy is catchy, positive forward energy. It doesn't take from me. If I give you some of mine, it means that we put ours together and it gives both of us more it's a good thing to share your positive energy. And so that's what I try to do with people because it's so fun for me to get energy from other people too and have us all move forward and be better together. Which is so crazy because you think of like a competition, you have to hate all the people that you're beside and you have to be better than them, but there's something so freeing and just all being in that together. And, and you're right, it's so infectious that positive stuff and same with the negative stuff. I mean, it spreads like wildfire. So creating that space is so great. That's so, that's such a great idea. Yeah. So um, on that point about the negativity, it's interesting. I was noticing myself getting sort of triggered when I was walking around that morning of the competition because they're can be so much anxiety coming out of people's bodies as far as energy and, you know, just even the looks on their faces. And I thought, okay, I don't want any negative energy around me. I'm just going to go kind of hang by myself. Yeah. So I really try to set boundaries around the negativity too. And when I experience people around me who have that negative energy, I try to just do what I can to lead by example and continue to be positive and then remove myself from the situation. Because if someone wants to stay negative and miserable, oh. I'm probably not going to be able to yank them out of it. I'm just not. And so I'm not going to waste my energy trying. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Now, tell me about your trial diet. Oh, yes. So I had a pretty significant trial in November of last year. It was over a couple of weeks and I was determined to not do the stereotypical eat crap, I'm just going to have sugar quick on a lunch break. I'm going to eat crap at night. I'm going to order and take out. I'm, you know, it's all of this 
I call it stereotypical. I don't know if other people do, but I guess it's just when people, as a general rule, get overstressed and overworked, I hear a lot from other people, and I'll include myself in that. I mean, this is something I did years ago. You can emotionally eat or stress eat or reach for sugar or just reach for the quick energy stuff that isn't good for you. So I said, I'm not going to let myself do that. And frankly, because I've now been keto for so long and I know what the benefits are to my brain, I'm going to put myself on what I referred to as my trial diet, where I'm going to be really calculated and careful about my macros for the entire time during trial. And I'm one of these people, Leanne, and I know that there's a variety of viewpoints on the tracking. I'm one of these people that when I track, it tends to keep my relationship with food healthy. Now, I will have some days where I totally don't track because I just don't feel like it. So I just try to let myself track when I want to, choose to not track when I don't. But I wanted to do it during trial. So I was good about making sure that I had appropriate amounts of fat and protein with me each day for trial. I was making sure that I was good about doing fasting on the days that I could so that I was, my brain was on point. I never had slumps in blood sugar dips or dips in energy in the afternoon. Because frankly, when you're in trial and you're having to perform for that many hours in a row, you can't afford to do that. You, you know, I can't start yawning in the middle of a cross-examination. How would that look? And <laughs> it, Right. Both to my client, to the judge, to everyone. So yeah. it was really important to me to have my energy be at optimum performance for many, many days in a row, which means I was choosing intentionally, again, going back to our mindfulness, to put foods in my body that nourish me, that keep me motivated, that keep me energized, and that don't allow me to sort of feel like, ugh, I don't want to stay up another hour and, and do additional prep. No, oh no, I was just as energetic in the morning as I was at 10 o'clock at night, and it was awesome. So I ended up testing myself in the bod pod before and after trial and was able to keep everything physically on point with my weight and my body fat and all that stuff, which was great. That's so cool. And I love how you mentioned choices because when you start to realize that everything is a choice and it's not being pushed on you, like for a long time, I thought I had to do things because it's just the way that it was. Um, but by making a choice, it really puts it takes a power out of the food or the exercise and brings it back into your own hands of like, I am choosing this because I want to feel good and I want to perform well or whatever your goal might be. So I like that you said choice. And it's also interesting. I love chatting with people that say that tracking actually helps their relationship with food. <laughs> this blows my mind. Like I can't even wrap my head around it. Can you chat a little bit about that relationship real quick of like, how that works. I'm just so curious how yes. that helps the situation. I'm happy to talk about that because I totally understand the question, which is how does it not make you obsessed? Yeah. And like, I get it. I totally get it. So I'm a little bit of a data nerd. I love understanding where I'm at each day with respect to my protein, fat, and then minimally, of course, my carbs. And so if I eat my first meal, let's say it's at noon or one, and it's got me at a 25 protein ratio, let's say it's 3% carbs, and then I'm just under 70 or would I be just over? Yeah, just under 75. I'm like, okay, good. I'm, I'm at a good level. This is great. So then the next snack I have that's protein, let's say, it puts my protein up and now my fat dropped too low for my quote keto profile. And so I like knowing, okay, so next time I eat, I really need to focus on fat for this next meal. Yeah. And the reason I like that and then it doesn't make me nuts about it is because then when I do eat fat at the next meal, I find that I actually feel satiated because that's what my body needed because I've spent so much time tracking over the years. I just know what the macronutrient ratio is that I need to always feel satiated and not like I'm having a blood sugar 
rush. Does that make sense? So you wouldn't just intuitively know that you needed fat at the meal. Not necessarily. And I, I do, I do, I will say I definitely at each meal, and trying to do a combination for sure of fat and protein. I mean, that's just what yeah. I eat. So that's but it's what I not do. like intuitively, like your body's like, I need fat or I need protein or uh, you don't have that strong sense. It's a good question. So I, I do, but I'm surprised. Here's what I'll say. Tracking is more for me also about, even though I will have those intuitions and it'll say, I must want fat because I'm hungry now. And I had protein last meal. I, I do have those senses, but I could literally eat probably a whole jar of almond butter in one sitting or a whole. So I do it also to say, here's, you've had enough and you should feel satiated now. So just sit with it and recognize whether you are. It's almost like the tracking and the mindfulness have gone hand in hand for me because it's helping me be more aware, right? Of what I'm doing and how I'm actually feeling. I can't believe how many times I watched other people and I used to be this way. So this is why I can see it in other people because I used to do this do everything on autopilot. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm just going to eat this. It's lunchtime. Okay. I got to go eat. I got to go have lunch. Here's what I'm going to order. Here's what I ordered the other day. I'm just going to order this. I'm going to eat the whole plate that they put in front of me. And then I'm going to leave because I've got to get to the next thing. And it's so auto is the only way I can think of to describe it. And so now I actually am waiting to eat until I'm hungry. And then it's like, okay, what macronutrient ratio do I want to eat right now? What do I feel like? How sore are my muscles? When's the next time I'll be able to eat if I have to go into a three-hour meeting? That kind of stuff, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. It would make me crazy, but it's almost <laughs> like you've you've melded tracking also with mindfulness. Yes. Beautiful marriage that works. So right. hey, you do you, man. Like exactly. Amen. Exactly. Um yeah. so what do you think is missing in the keto space right now for women? Great question. So I actually get a lot of questions from people who reach out to me about strength training and keto in large part, because that's a big part of what people know I'm interested in. And so I think that people, women specifically, I have observed are struggling with how to just sort of figure out that balance. They want to get stronger. They want to stay keto, but they aren't sure that they can do both. And I'm here to tell you that my strength training has gotten substantially better on the ketogenic diet, I just know that I also am one of these people that can take higher thresholds of protein. So I wouldn't do well on a keto profile that was 80 to 90% fat. That was a more therapeutic profile. I just don't because of my musculature. And so I know that because of my musculature, I need more protein. So I challenge women who are interested in strength training and keto to really do some experimentation around their fat and protein ratios and test a little bit higher protein ratios and see how it affects their body composition, their energy, their sleep, those kinds of things. Cause that's been really helpful for me. The other thing is I think there's a little bit missing in just helping. And we both can do this, help empower women to do their own experimentation, right? Because we are so complex and we are also individual. What works for me may not work for the next woman and it may work for three women after that. And so the way that I have figured out my proper macronutrient ratios, what my body likes and doesn't like, what my body craves and doesn't crave is because I've been experimenting with all this stuff for so many years. So I really empower women to do that because I think you can learn the most and have the most sustainability on your ketogenic journey by doing your own self-experiments and figuring out what works for you. 
That's amazing. Well, Kristen, where can people find more from you? They can find me either on Instagram or through my website. So separate from my trial practice, I've started a speaking and coaching business. And so that's at mngoldengirl.com. And then my Instagram handle is the same, which is mn, like for Minnesota, goldengirl.com. And people can reach out to me that way. I'm happy to respond to any questions. Cool. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. And we'll include all of those links in our podcast extras document, which you guys can get at healthfulpursuit.com slash podcast slash E108. Thanks again, Kristen. Thanks so much, Leanne. I really appreciated the talk today. Thanks for listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. Join us again in a couple of days to discover more Keto for Women secrets for your fat-fueled life. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representations or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified physician for medical advice and always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition programs.